Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. I'm excited today uh, to talk to you about a topic I believe is so important, and that is this. I want to talk to you about eternal significance, eternal significance. It's Baptism Sunday, and many of you have probably been baptized. Some of you may not. And We're going to talk today about baptism, and I'm going to talk to you about the principles that we can learn in everyday life from baptism. You may say, I've been baptized. You may say, I know what baptism is, and so this message is not for me. I would disagree. I think that from what we can see in the scripture, there are so many great principles that we can apply to our everyday life based on baptism. And so we're going to talk about that today, starting in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12, it says, we're just showing you that baptism is biblical. It says, for we were bar- you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you are raised to newness of life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Christ was, Christ was buried and he was raised from the dead. And so now here's what we do as a sign, as a symbol of being believers, as saying, you know what? I believe that Jesus died for me and I confess that I need him. I'm a, I'm a sinner in need of a savior and I'm now saved, the Bible says. And then from there, now the next step is baptism. See, here's what sometimes people get confused about. Baptism is not salvation. Baptism is not salvation. Uh, we get saved by believing in him. If baptism was part of salvation, then that would mean this. That would mean that something we do saves us. Nothing we do saves us. It's grace that saves us. The undeserved, unmerited love of Jesus. And so Jesus came, he died on the cross. Now we believe in him. And so we're saved when we believe in him. And then our outward expression from that of what Jesus has already done, then we get baptized. And so you might wonder why do they go under and come back up? It's just a symbol of what Christ did. Like he was buried and he rose, we're buried in the water and we come up new creations in Christ. And so I want to talk to you a little bit today on baptism, the importance of baptism, but then also uh, the importance of everyday life on how we can learn from the principles of baptism. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13, it says, Then Jesus went from Galilee to, Jordan, to the Jordan River uh, to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said, so why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, It should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him, I am well pleased. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. What's happening is Jesus is about to start his ministry. He's 30 years old. John the Baptist is talking in the wilderness and teaching people about Jesus coming and talking about the importance of baptism and repenting of your sins. And so all these people are getting baptized and all these people are coming to know God. And so there's this big spectacle out out, out in the wilderness where people are gathering and Pharisees and Sadducees and all these people, crowds are going to the wilderness to watch people be baptized. And here's what Jesus does. Jesus comes along and he tells John, I need you to baptize me. I want you to baptize me. And John says, whoa, 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 whoa. 
you should be the one baptizing me. That would be like, you know, some incredible chef comes to you and says, you should cook for me. You know what I'm saying? You're like, mm, I can't cook, sorry. I'll, I'll make you some toast. You know what I'm saying? But here's what he is. He says, I, you should be the one baptizing me. And then Jesus says, no. He says, I need to do everything that God requires of me. And so John says, okay, I'll baptize you. He's baptized. And as he comes up out of the water, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. And the Bible says, then there's this loud voice and oftentimes we can look at scripture and we can read it and be like, oh, cool story. There was a voice that came from heaven. But could you imagine with us, if, if just for a moment, if you're living your normal day life and all of a sudden a voice from heaven says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. One, you know, you're in Walmart shopping for toilet paper. All of a sudden you hear, this is my son. You know, everybody in Walmart's gonna be like, what? You know what I'm saying? What has happened? Is that somebody on the little Walmart radio? You know what I'm saying? And so God speaks to, to, to everyone to share with them the importance of them knowing that this is his son and he's pleased in his son. And from this, I see a few quick things that I believe are so vital for us as we walk out our everyday life uh, with Jesus. In Matthew chapter three and verse 14, it says, but John tried to talk to him. And he said, and I, and I am the one who needs to be baptized by you. He said, but so why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. And it says, so John agreed to baptize him. Here's what we know. We know that, oh, here's what he says. He says, I'm the son of God. John knew that Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus knew he was the Messiah, but yet Jesus still said, I need to be baptized. He's the son of God. He, his, he's sinless. He's never made a mistake on the planet. He's literally, he, he is God. And he says, he comes to John and he says, I, I need to be baptized. Why? Because Jesus knew it was a command of, from, from God the Father. He says right here, it says, uh, he says, I want to do, uh, for we must carry out all that God requires. It's a, see, baptism is an act of obedience. But a baptism is not salvation. How do you know that? You keep saying that. How do you know that baptism isn't salvation? Well, we see it on the, on the cross. When Jesus is on the cross, there's two thieves. Many of you know, you've seen the pictures of the three crosses somewhere. And there's two thieves. And one of them, it repents. And Jesus says, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Meaning, today, you're going to go to heaven with me. We're going together. He doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say, hold up, everybody. Whoa, whoa, time out. Let's call a timeout. Let's put a pause to this. Get me off this cross. Get that man off the cross. Let's go to the Jordan River. Let's all walk together. Let me baptize him. I'll baptize him. And okay, now you can put us back on the cross and then he'll be saved. No, here's what he did. He said, even though you've not been baptized, he says this, today you'll be with me in paradise. See, baptism is just an, a next step to our salvation. It's we're saved and now because I'm saved, I want to walk in obedience and do what God has asked. He's asked us to be baptized. Maybe you're in this place and you're saying, you know what? I don't know if baptism is for me. I don't know if I should do that. And again, you don't have to do that today, but it's something you could pray about. But here's what I do know. I do know that it's not something we need to super deep pray about. Why? It's just God asks of it, so we do it. It's obedience. It's a, it's a saying, okay, here's what I want to do. I, want, I believe Jesus died for me. And because he died for me now, I want to walk in obedience into what he's asked of me. And baptism is such a simple thing. It's such a simple thing. It's just going underwater and coming back up. It's just an outward expression of what God's done in our heart. And so here's what, what why God, why would you ask of that? Why would you ask us to be baptized? What's the big ordeal to being baptized? I don't know what the huge deal is, but I do know it's spiritual. I do know God does things uh, and uses it to, to, to work in us. But I do know this. It's such a simplistic act. 
but it's a simplistic act of obedience. And I know this, it's the first thing that God asks us. We get saved and he asks us to obey and be baptized. And here's what I know. I think he set it up that way as such a simplistic thing because he knows this. If I can't obey him in the small things, I'm not gonna obey him in my struggles. If I can't obey him in the simplistic things that he asks of me, like being baptized, then when I go through something intense, when I'm struggling with lust, when I'm struggling with anger, I'm not gonna be able to obey him and honor him in that way. Why? Because I've not been able to just completely just say, okay, God, I wanna obey you in the simplistic things. And so God, I think, sets it up that way that we would start our life, our our walk of faith with him that says, okay, God, in every step, I'm gonna obey you. And every step I'm gonna walk in obedience to you. Why? Because this is what significance is. See, oftentimes we hear of the, the term legacy and we think of this significant life. We think of this huge grand, like you were somebody that did this huge great thing. And that's great, that can be significance. But here's what I know, legacy is not found in significance. Legacy is found in small steps of obedience. Legacy is found in the small steps of obedience. And so I love this because we can learn so much as Christians. For those of us that have already been baptized, we can learn so much from the principle of baptism. Why? Because it's this desire to say, I want to obey you with every step of my life. I don't want to just obey you with the big things and where everybody sees me and, oh, it's this significant thing. They gave their Saturday up to serve or or they give their money. It's the significant, no, it's I want to in every step I want to obey you and honor you. For those of us that are married in the room, the significant thing isn't that, that we would just be this, we grand or, oh, you guys are married. Wow. Y'all know how it is. For those of us that are married, you get married and everybody's like, yay. You, you're married. For those that are single in the room and you desire to get married, you're like, oh, it's so beautiful. Oh, it's so beautiful. I can't wait. It's going to be me one day. It's going to be me. I can't wait. Right, I'm going to catch the bouquet. Okay, anyways. And here's what it is. We can look at the marriage and say, ooh, that's, it's so significant. But that's not the significant part. The significant part is through, their, through them loving one another in marriage, serving one another in marriage for years and years to come. Then they look back 50 years and they've been faithful to one another. This, that's the legacy. The legacy is not we've been married. The legacy is through our small steps of obeying God, loving one another. We turn around and we show those around us what God has done in our lives. I believe this. We oftentimes think of this, this purpose that we have is to be these significant people. And I, I honestly, I think our purpose is not to be significant. I think our purpose is to walk in small steps of obedience to make Christ significant in us. God doesn't make us significant so that we can be somebody for ourselves. No, he allows us to walk in small steps of, of, of obedience to allow us to become influencers of those around us so that we can make his name significant. For those of us that are married in the room, we have to understand the vital importance of just, be, just serving our spouses. There is such a significance in just the everyday serving of our spouses. I believe this, I really do, that the most important thing a Christian, if you're married in the room or watching online, the most important thing, the number one thing God has asked of us is to serve our spouse. Now, most of us in the room, oh, we got real quiet. Praise God for that. I saw a couple of people elbow their spouse. Praise God. We love to be served. 
Nobody in the room, nobody watching online doesn't like being served. We love being served. And so what happens is we oftentimes can put that into our relationships and our expectations are, you're here to serve me. But that's not the case at all. The Bible says that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve others. And we are to replicate that into our marriages for those that are married. And we're to serve one another first. And then from there, we serve our children. And then from there, we serve our jobs. But it starts with our spouse. If we can't get our relationship with our spouse right, serving our spouses, here's what's gonna happen. Everything in life is gonna be chaotic. For those that are not married in the room, I would encourage you to learn the process of serving way before you ever get married. Because I will tell you this, and people that are married know if you're single in the room, if you don't like to serve, you ain't gonna like being married. <laughs> like married's not just like, boo boo, kiss me. You know, it's not like that. Hug me, hug me, hug me. It's not like that. For those in the can I get an amen for married folks? Come on, somebody. Can I get an amen from the married folks, please? Help me out. Thank you, married folks. It's not this like we just float on butterflies. And I love talking to newlyweds because newlyweds, they're still in the realm of like, oh, it's just beautiful. Oh, it's uh, like we spend all night together every night. And, and that's the dudes talking like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually funny. Okay, sorry. And they're like, they talk to one another and like they're, they're hanging out with a couple and they, they finish each other's sentences and like, ah, you said it first. And then the other married couple's like, just wait. Just wait, you'll be out, you'll figure it out. But here's the thing, like we can get caught up and we think it's this, this, this grand thing when really marriage is this. For those that are married in the room, those that are single, marriage is this. I'm called to live a life of obedience, of serving my spouse. And if I'm not able to serve her, then here's what happens. My relationship with her is off, but also my relationship with him is off. We can wanna be great Christians and we can wanna be great, great, great influencers, but here's what it starts with. It starts with the, the concept, of, okay, I believe in Jesus, but from the moment I believe in Jesus, now there's a step of obedience that I wanna to walk to. It's not this significant light. God may give you significance, but that's not what it is. It's not this desire to be significant. It's this desire to, I wanna walk every day in the steps of obedience of what he's called me to do, the small things. And then from the small things of obedience, of walking out in obedience to him, here's what happens. God begins to bless me and he begins to move in my life the way I never thought possible. Here's the question I would ask you today. What are the steps of obedience he's asking of you? What are the steps of obedience? What is something he's been asking of you or from you? Maybe it's something with purity and lust and God's asking you, you know, it's time to, to set those things aside. Maybe it's just small steps. Of, maybe, maybe it's something with anger and you've been getting angry and you, you've been getting frustrated. Maybe it's steps of, okay, I need to start to work on, on not getting so wound up. Maybe it's steps of, 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 of gossip or whatever it is. What in your life? Maybe it's something like he wants you just to step out and be more bold and it's in your faith with others around you. I don't know what it is. That's not my role. My role is not to tell you what God is speaking to you. My role is to get you to the place where you know God desires for me to obey him. So God, what are you asking of me? What is God asking of you? Everybody, every single one of us, no matter how old we are, no matter how young we are, God is asking us to walk in obedience. Why? Because it's the, it's the step that we take after we accept Christ in our lives. It's a lifestyle of obedience. And I believe it's our purpose. And again, I, I, I wrote this down. You know, I think that a person, a man or a woman 
that lacks godly purpose in their life will quickly become distracted with worldly desires, with worldly pleasures. A man or a woman that lacks godly purpose. And again, purpose is not something in the future. Purpose is, God, what are you asking of me today? And as you ask, here's what happens. When I hear what you're asking of me today, now I have purpose for today. And so now it keeps me from being distracted from the worldly pleasures around us that the enemy tries to bring in to tempt us, to get us to fall into the mistakes and to the things that God doesn't want us to get into. Again, it's so important that we understand that God desires for us to be a people that walk in obedience. What is God asking of you and from you? Because I'm telling you, everybody in the room, he's asking something. He's tugging on your heart somewhere. He's knocking, he's... He's knocking somewhere on your heart. And so we have to be people that say, okay, God, I want to evaluate my life. And what are you asking? And again, it's not, let me say this too. It's not, uh, walking in obedience does not mean God's looking for perfection. I don't want to, I don't want to be, it's not a condemning thing where, if it does, it's not a condemning thing where you just get all frustrated and you're like, oh my gosh, God wants me just to be so perfect. And if I mess up, he doesn't love me. If I mess up, he doesn't care about me. That's not what obedience is. Obedience is the heart concept of this. God, I desire to follow you. If I fall, it's all good. God, you love me, you care for me, and God picks you back up and he helps you out. It's the concept of, okay, I have a heart that desires to obey you with everything in my life. It's not about perfection. I remember when I was younger and I was getting into ministry and I was a youth pastor uh, in Destin, Florida, and they, they baptized people there in the Gulf of Mexico. And so we were in the Gulf of Mexico and we were baptizing people and the pastor that is still my pastor today, he, he was baptizing people. And I remember him baptizing a lady and then she, go, she kind of goes off and she's walking to the shore and someone's coming back out. And as the other lady's coming back out, he looks at me and he says, Jordan, you got this one. Now, again, I was, a young, I was very young and I was, I say very young, I was like 23 or 24 years old and I'd never baptized somebody before. And so all of a sudden everything just stopped and everything went in a slow motion, come on somebody. I got super nervous. I was all, I was hyperventilating. It was crazy. It's, I was getting nervous. And here's what they did there at, 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 at the church. What they would do is when they would baptize you, they would say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then when they would baptize you, they would bring you down the water and they would say, buried with you, buried with him in baptism. And they would put you down and they would say, and raise the newness of life as you, as you came back up. So I'm thinking this. I'm like, I can do this. Okay, baptize, name, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, baptize, right, baptize, okay. And I'm thinking all this, okay. And I, here she comes, she's coming. Like, I'm freaking out, okay. She gets here, we pray. I'm like, okay, put your little hand like this, you know, do your thing. I'm like, we bury, we, we baptize you. Okay, I'm thinking all this stuff. All of a sudden, like, I just lost all train of thought as I'm baptizing her and I just go, I bury you. <laughs> Immediately, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And I said, oh, he said, I messed up. <laughs> I look at the pastor, my pastor as, he, as I, she's walking off and he, I, I'm looking at him and he says, he's like this, he's like. <laughs> then I look at the other pastor who was with us out there and I look at him and he's like. <laughs> to say the least, for the last 15 years, they have ragged me about the same story. Now, here's what I want to say about that. Obviously, it was a mistake on my part, but here's the question I would ask you. Was she not baptized because I made a mistake on what I said? 
Of course she was still baptized. Because it why? Because it wasn't what I said. It was her heart condition. It's the same thing with our obedience. We may make mistakes. God's not worried about our mistakes. He's worried about our heart. Do we want to follow him in the small steps of obedience every day of our lives? That's what he's looking for. He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for someone that would say, God, I want to follow you all the days of my life. And even in the small things, I want to obey you. It's an act of obedience. It's vital that we would understand this as we walk out and live a life of legacy for those around us. In Matthew chapter three, in verse 16, it says, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. We can learn these principles from baptism as we, it's an act of obedience that God desires for us to be people that walk out and live in obedience to him. But then it's cool because it says he's baptized and the Bible says that, that heaven opens. I believe this. I believe this, that God, as we walk in steps of obedience to him, I just something, it's something supernatural, just hear me, that, that obedience opens heaven in our lives. Obedience to God opens heaven in our lives. It brings breakthrough in our lives. There are so many people, probably all of us in this room watching online, there are people that are looking for breakthrough in their lives. They're believing for something. And here's what happens. Oftentimes we pray, God, take this away, or God, help me with this, or God, use this, or do this, or God, I need you with this. And we're praying for this breakthrough. We're praying for this breakthrough. We're praying for this breakthrough. And here's what's cool about Jesus. He shows us, Jesus didn't pray and say, let me obey. Jesus said, let me obey. And then what happened through his obedience, heaven opened. Now you may say, well, he was Jesus. No matter what, heaven would have opened on his life. That may be true. But in this specific story, we see that obedience leads him to a place where heaven was opened on his life. If you want breakthrough in your life, hear me. If you want breakthrough in your life or whatever it is you're believing through, you want heaven to open your, the heaven up on you, the windows, the doors of heaven in your life, then we must be people that walk in obedience. When we walk in obedience, there's a blessing that comes, a breakthrough that comes because God is desiring for us to live in freedom. I tell people all the time, a lot of times breakthrough is just on the other side of our obedience. We can think breakthrough, breakthrough is a super spiritual thing that we just long God for. We pray, pray, God, please, 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 please. And prayer is great. We start with prayer, yes. But then it's us not just stopping with prayer. Then we step out in obedience. And as we step out in obedience, God begins to bring that breakthrough in our lives. Everyone in the room, everyone watching online, we've all grown up in families and there's been some dysfunction in our homes. If, you, if your parents are here, don't shake your head yes. You know what I'm saying? But we've all had, there's all been things that we've been, we've learned, whether through parents, whether through grandparents, or even from friends. There's always been, there's something in our lives that here's what happens that, that gets passed over to us. And then we start to act and live like our parents. It's just generational stuff. That's what happens. Some of it's good. Some of it's negative. It's all good. If you're a parent in the room, you're like, oh my goodness. No, it's all good. Nobody's perfect. We're learning. Here's what happens though. If we get to the place of where we just say, okay, I don't want to be like mom. I don't want to be like dad. I don't want to be like mom. I don't want to be like dad. And what I've learned is the older I get, the more like my dad I get. Praise God. And so I can talk about it and I can pray, God, okay, I don't want to do those things. I don't want to act that way. I don't want to be, I can say, oh, that's great. That's, that's important. 
But there has to be a point to where I say, okay, it can't just be I don't want that. I have to change and shift things in my life to walk out and live in an obedience differently so that those things don't get passed on to my children. Does that make sense? Again, we talk about we can talk about generational curses and all that stuff, and it might be too deep for you. But generational curses are just things that happen that were passed on from from our parents or from our grandparents, and it's just things that we deal with that our parents or our grandparents dealt with. Well, here's what's cool. Yes, we pray and God breaks the spiritual curses. Yes, absolutely. But a lot of times, generational curses are just changed and shifted when we just decide to walk out in obedience. I used to deal with anger. My dad dealt with anger. I love my dad. No sweat. He used to deal with anger. As a kid, as a young person, I dealt a lot with anger. As I've learned to, to pray to God, ask God to free me from anger, and he has, then now I choose to step out and decide to obey God and not get angry. Now I've gotten to the place where I just don't get angry. Ashley laughs because she said when she hears, like I used to get angry, she laughs because she's like, I could never see you get angry because that's not who you are. Well, why? It's not because I just prayed and stopped. No, it's I prayed, and then from there I started to shift my way of thinking and living and decision-making, and then from there God brought the breakthrough. Obedience opens the door of heaven in your life. For all of you in the room, I want to encourage you. You are not your parents. Those online, you're not your parents. And again, if you're a parent in the room, you're like, what? So, no, you don't want your kid to be like you. you want your, I want my kid to be better than me. Come on, somebody, because you know you, and you crazy. Nobody else may know you, but you know you, and you a little cray-cray. Come on, somebody. I know I'm a lot cray-cray, praise God. You laugh, but it's true. I don't want my kid to deal with the same things I dealt with as a teenager. Come on, somebody. I don't want them to have the same insecurities that I had. Here's what it is. Okay, so what do I do? I pray, yes. But then I begin to shift my way of living and my walk of obedience and legacy happens. Generational curses are broken and now she doesn't have to deal with the same things I did. Heaven opens. But it's a heart that says, God, I love you, I follow you, but I also want to obey you. Lastly, as we close very quickly, in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 17, it says, A voice from heaven said, This is my son in whom I love. With him I am well pleased. God speaks in this voice. He says, This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. This scripture is interesting to me because if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you never once see Jesus struggling with his identity. I don't once see Jesus struggling with, am I God's son or not? In fact, I would say Jesus was confident. He multiple, multiple different times throughout the scripture, he talks about being the son of God. Multiple different times in the scripture, he talks about, I do only what the father does and I say only what I hear the father say. He's confident in his identity. So here's the question then. If he's so confident in his identity and who God is and who he is to God, then why is it that the father feels like he needs to say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased? I believe the reason why is because it wasn't to bring confidence to Jesus's identity. And some people in the room, maybe you need confidence to know that you are a son or a daughter, and you are if you believe in him, whether you feel it or not, you're a son of God or a daughter of God. 
But I don't believe that's what this is the case in this story. I believe this, that God the Father speaks this because he wanted those around Jesus to know, this is my son, and I'm pleased. See, this is what baptism is. Baptism is an act of obedience. It opens heaven, but then also it's an outward expression. See, baptism isn't just for us. It's for those around us that we would, ex- we would be able to express what God has done in us. A few weeks ago, we got the privilege to go to Louisiana, many of you know, to help with some of the hurricane relief, and they put the guys on the roof of a house to help tarp a house. Now, none of us were roofers or are roofers, and I won't claim still to be a roofer. And they put us on this roof to tarp, and it, all throughout the whole time, we would be nailing, the, the, the roof was large, very large, and we were nailing these nails into this roof to help hold the tarp down. And I'm telling you, it must have happened 30 times. I'd be nailing, and the hammer would hit my thumb. Now, when, my hammer hit my, when the hammer hit my thumb, I didn't have to stop and think, what should I do? What, should, I, should I yell right now? Should I be upset? No, like the hammer every time hit my finger. And I was like, ah. And people were like, oh, Pastor Jordan hit his thumb again. And it would happen with the other guys in the team. Randomly, I would hear them go, ah. And you're like, oh, they hit their thumb again. And so we started, I started saying, you know what you got to do? I said, you got to, when you hit your thumb, you just need to praise Jesus. You know what I'm saying? So then some of them, they'd hit their thumb and they'd be like, shout to the Lord, all the earth. Let us, yeah, you better shout to the Lord. Why am I saying this? Why am I telling you this story? Because here's what happened. The pain caused an expression. The expression was, ow, e, ooh, ah. I can't think of any other ones. But here's what it was. The pain caused an expression. It was not a thought of response. See, here's what Jesus is looking for in our life with him. See, what we can do is we can quickly think obedience is an obligation. And so here's what happens. Then it becomes an obligational expression. It would be like for those of you in the room, when you, you, someone tells some, says something funny and you know it's not funny, but like you feel really awkward. So you're like, <laughs> and you tell your friend that wasn't funny at all. If that's never happened to you, you're probably the one they're saying that about. (laughs) Praise God for you. It would be like going to the in-laws. Praise God. I love my in-laws. I have great in-laws. Praise God. But it would be like you going to your in-laws and you're like, hey, it's the best day ever. Oh my, it's my favorite day of the whole year. And you feel, obliga- you feel like an obligation to express something that you may not be feeling. And oftentimes, this is what we do with obedience. We feel like it's this obligation. Oh, I have to obey because it's what God says. And so if God said it, I have to. And so here's what happens when we think that way. Then obedience becomes a chore. Obedience should not be a chore. Obedience should be a joy. It's a joy because I know I live. My expression is not an obligation, but I live in such joy in relationship with God the Father that the joy overflows out of me and I desire to follow him. 
I desire to obey him. I desire to do what he's asked. Why? It's not a chore and I have to. And if I don't, I'm not a good Christian. I'm a bad Christian. And, and I shouldn't go to church. Or small. It's none of that. Here's what it is. It's my relationship with him and my relationship with who he is and me knowing his love. Now, from there, there's an expression that comes out of love. It's an expression that comes out of peace. There's an expression that comes out of joy. It's not thought of. It's not a have to. It's not, okay, well, how do I respond here? No, it's in the chaos of the world when everything's going wrong and we don't know why. It's not like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? No, it's, there's an expression of peace because I know God's the God of that, is, that is in control of my life. It's an expression. This is what baptism is, and we can learn this so much so as we walk in our life of faith. God is looking for us to be a people that walk a, and live in a life of obedience. From that, doors are open, the heaven, heaven's doors are open, and then from that, we begin to show others around us who He is. We begin to show our city. Our schools, our jobs, our workplaces, our country, our world. We begin to show them who he is, not because of something we're doing, but because we're so in love with him, an expression comes out and they say, something's different. They say, man, he treats his wife different. They say, oh man, that student, man, they're not going out like everybody else does. Something's different. Why? Because an expression of my heart, obedience flows out. It's not a chore, it's a desire. Why? Because I know who he is and I know what he's done for me. And because of what he's done for me now, I'll willingly, lovingly give my life back to him. Let us be a church, a group of individuals that live, oh my goodness, that live with such a heart of legacy, desiring to be people that live a life of obedience to him. And from that, here's what happens. It's we start to express him in ways where those around us don't see us, don't make us significant, but they make him significant. And there's no greater joy than making Christ significant to those around us. Amen. Can we pray today, Father? I thank